0: Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message on the Elevate Church podcast. We believe that God will speak to you wherever you are. Now, let's prepare our hearts and hear what God has for us today. Amen. All right. All right, here we go. Let's dive in. We are starting a new series today called Freestyle, and the reason we're calling it Freestyle is because it was an easy way for me to say, uh, I'm going to preach on what's ever on my heart. All right? And so... This is just freestyle, and I expect you to respond accordingly if something strikes you and, and connects with you and you agree with it. Man, feel free to shout out an amen or a let's go or a, come on, preach it, white boy, or you know let, whatever you want to say <laughs> is fine with me. This is, again, this is, is freestyle, and let me start by asking you this. How many of you remember the imagination that you had as a child? You remember? Can you think back to those days when we had this, this vivid imagination, like anything and everything was possible. And I say that because it's summertime and around the Atkins house, summertime means limited to no screen time. So my boys in the summer were like, Hey, put away the screens put away the TV, put away the, the, the gaming devices, you know, put away the phones, unless it's nasty outside, you know, there's very limited to no screen time. And so Kristen and I, inevitably the conversation comes up. My boys will say, well, what do you want us to do? (laughs) Like, I don't care. Go outside, climb a tree, play in the dirt, discover a cure for Lyme disease. Like do something (laughs) with your life. Right? And, and, and so I remember I did that growing up. How many of you like in the summer, you just lived outside like all day, all night when it got dark, you would finally come home. That's what we did. We would, we would go out in the woods. We would play war. We'd have these battles in the woods. I don't think you can do that anymore because it's not politically correct. And, and so, you know, now you go outside and play pretend, you know, support pet animal or something. I don't know what you play. <laughs> That's the Lyme disease talking, by the way. It's just give me Grace. I say that because sometimes I think the older we get, the more our dreams grow down. It, it, we, we celebrate in our culture settling. And here's why I say that because when you graduate high school, and some of you have, and you're on your, your you know, you're headed to college the next season, everybody's wondering where you're gonna go to school. Where are you going to go to college? What's next for you? And when you graduate college, you know, then they'll ask you, all right, what are you going to do for a living? What's going to be your, your job? And then, and then after a season of time, they're like, well, when are you going to retire? When are you going to, to settle down? Or a better example would be if you're dating someone. People are always asking you, when are you going to get married? When are you going to, to settle down? Or if you're single, you know, they're like, when are you going to find somebody and date? You know, and, and by the way, singleness is not a sickness. It's not a disease. It's okay to be single. But in our culture, it's celebrated that we settle, that we and we should grow up and we should mature. And I'm not saying that, but we celebrate this sanitized, safety first kind of of living. And I'm afraid that in settling down, we often settle for less. Settle for less. Our dreams die. What we were hoping for or believing for in our life begins to to fade away. And I think the word of the Lord for us today is don't stop believing. In fact, turn to your neighbor right now and tell him, don't stop believing. Come on, tell him. Now turn to the other person that you didn't want to talk to the first time and and sing it to them. Don't stop believing. That's it see i missed you guys i love this place It's crazy don't stop believing that god can still move mountains don't stop believing that, that god is the god of of immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine i want us to be a church i want to be a person that stands at the gate waiting for the prodigal son or daughter to return home are you with me like don't stop believing that that's who god is but i think As we settle down, God does not want us to settle for less. In fact, the older we get, come on, my my older, more seasoned people, I believe the more dreams you should have in your heart, not the less. I believe you should be dreaming of, well, what if, and what could God do? And why not through me? And why not in this city? And what's my legacy going to be? I think the more dreams we should have, but a lot of times, the older we get, our risk level diminishes. We become risk averse and we always choose the path of, of least resistance in life. And when we, we do that, we lock ourselves into a cage of this reduced kind of faith, this limited faith. And the danger in that, that I've been thinking a lot about is what happens if we arrive at the end of our life and we go, was that it? Is this really it to work hard, to retire, Mow the lawn, you know, and wait around to die? Is that really it for life? What about the visions? What about the dreams that God has birthed in your heart? What if those never come to pass? So I think the older we get, the more dreams we should have. And I say, especially if you know God, like know God, not know about God, but if you have a relationship with God, then that makes you a person of faith, period. Like that's how you got in on the relationship with God in the first place. It was, was by faith. And what you should know is if you are a guest here, if you're, this is your first time coming to Elevate is we are a, a faith church. Like we believe that God still answers prayers. We believe that God still does miracles. Are you with me? Like we believe that when we pray, God responds to that prayer. We are a faith filled church. Like we believe that we wake up. And we don't just wake up and go, oh, it's another day. No, we believe. We wake up and the devil goes, oh, crap, they're up again. Right? Because we're people of faith. We just believe that about God. We take him at his word, at his promises. But even as followers of Jesus, we can settle down. I'm not saying don't settle down. What I'm saying is don't settle for less. Less than what God's put on your heart. Less than the dreams that he's, he's given you. And so in this, this, this month, in this series, you know, whatever it's called, it, in fact, I'm not going to give you a title for a message, you can just make it up, all right? It's freestyle, do whatever you want to do. I just want us to level up our faith. I want us to take whatever faith you have currently right now and grow it and stretch it, like believe again, maybe dream again. And I do believe there are levels to faith. There's a story in the New Testament of Jesus encountering this centurion who comes to him and says, hey can you heal my servant? And Jesus says, let's go. Let's do it. I'll I'll come with you. And he says, no, if you speak a word from right here, like I believe he'll, he'll be healed. And what does Jesus say? He responds by saying, man, I've not seen faith like this. Like this man has great faith. So I do believe that there are levels of faith. And my prayer is that we would just grow our faith a little bit. But in order to do that, we got to know what faith is. Because here's what I don't wanna do, and I always think it's unfortunate, if you leave a church and you get in the car and you're fired up and you're like, yeah, yeah, that was awesome, I feel encouraged, now what? Like, what do I do with this? Or how many of you know people say stupid things? You know that? Even in church, people say stupid things. You could be going through a tough season in your life and somebody go, hey brother, you just gotta have more faith. And you're like, okay. I'd love to have more faith. How do I get more faith? You know, is that, is that at the Walmarts? Do I go pick it up? And I did add an S to Walmarts on purpose, just so you know. I love doing that. You're like, of course we want more faith, so where, where does this come from? How do I get it? How do I grow it? How do I level up in my faith? Hebrews 11.1 1 teaches us what faith is all about. It says this faith shows the reality of what we hope for, and it is the evidence, somebody say evidence evidence of things we can't see We can't see it but we have faith for it. a great definition of faith if you're a note-taker is faith is the evidence of the unseen it is a complete trust in it is a complete confidence for something that that we can't see it's the very nature of faith is unbelieving for something that that I cannot see and God's Word tells us this is how we are to live In fact, again, if you're a follower of Jesus, this is how you got in on the relationship in the first place. It was through faith. God's word tells us that we are to walk by faith and not by sight. He tells us that without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so the reverse of that would also be true, that our faith pleases God. Meaning that when you walk through your day and declaring faith over your life, instead of doubt, instead of fear... Walking through the season that we've been walking through, you're declaring faith over it, that that puts a smile on God's faith. He, uh, face. He, he loves it when we have faith. In fact, you know what evidence is? Evidence is what you bring into a courtroom to prove your case in order to win a case. Evidence is what you bring to, to prove a point. And I think sometimes we get this whole idea of, of evidence backwards. We think that God is in the, the court, our courtroom and he has to prove himself to us. So that we'll, we'll pray things like, God, I need you to do this. And, and based on how he responds, right, or based on how he shows up, right, he, he has to produce, you know, evidence in our courtroom. But the reality is we have it backwards. We are in God's courtroom. And, and not, you're not in God's courtroom to prove yourself for salvation. That's a free gift given to you by grace through faith. There's faith again. Through faith, not because of anything you did, so you can't take credit for it. But I think when we come into God's courtroom and we have faith, that's our evidence of what God can do through our life. It's, it's our evidence to build our case to God, before God. And so the, the stronger the faith, the stronger the evidence is. Does that make sense? And so what happens is whenever I'm in the middle of a bad thing, and instead of just like zoning in on that bad thing, if I walk through it declaring, you know what, God has great plans for my life. Whenever I'm walking through a tough season and I'm sitting there saying, well, God works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Like whenever I, I walk through that, that's not... That's not an indication of my ignorance or being out of touch with reality. That's me putting evidence at the courtroom of God saying, I have faith in the unseen. Are you with me? And I know some of you are like, well, I know people like that, Colby. I know there's some crazy faith people. I don't want to be a crazy faith person. They're like nuts. I know people that are are walking, you know, declaring the, my child is going to walk with the Lord all the days of their life. And you're like, they ain't walking with God. You know, they're, they're crazy. No, what they're doing is they're placing the evidence that they have before God, even though they haven't seen it yet come to pass. Are you with me? Yeah. Or, or in a relationship. I know relationships that are people are praying for restoration and healing in their marriage. And you could look from the outside in going, well, he's left her. No, what they're doing is they're placing evidence before God in the courtroom of heaven saying, I have faith that you can restore these, this marriage. You can restore this And so what happens is a lot of us think, well, I don't have faith like that. I don't have faith for that. And I would disagree that we all have a measure of faith. Look at Romans 12, three. It says this by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. This is Paul. And what he's saying is don't walk around arrogant, but also don't walk around beating yourself up. You know how people will do? And don't walk around with your head hung low saying, I'm a loser. I'm no good. You know, God's never going to work anything out for me. But also don't walk around like you're God's gift to the earth. Paul saying, you know, somewhere in the middle, you know, is fine. In accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. So God has distributed faith in your life. In fact, the King James Version says, in accordance to the measure of faith. So we all have a measure of faith. Now you might look and think, well, I don't, my faith compared to that person's faith is a, like a teaspoonful, you know, measurement of faith, but it's not your job to compare. Your job is to take whatever measure of faith God's given you and grow it. If it's little, if it's a lot, it doesn't matter. That's our job. But many of us, we end up sitting on our faith and it lays dormant in our life. And a dormant faith is an ineffective faith. It's like you can have faith atrophy. You know what I'm talking about? Like if you don't, your muscles can atrophy if you don't exercise them. The same is true with your faith. It will not grow and develop if you don't exercise out your faith. And I propose that God wants our faith to grow. He wants us to take whatever measure of faith you have in this season and work that faith. Work what you got. Somebody say, work what you got. Work that faith and grow it to another level and then take that measure of faith and grow it to a, another level. And so today I, I want to share with you a few things about how we can do that because I don't want to just leave you hanging. I want to share how we can be people of faith, how we can grow that faith, how we can level up in our faith. Those are three possible message titles for you right there, right? Whatever one down you want to. So we don't see it the wrong way. And I'm going to do this from 1 Samuel chapter one. If you have your Bible, it's about a woman named Hannah. Some of you have heard of her, perhaps some of you know this story. She was married to a brother named Elkanah and Elkanah had two wives. Now, real quick, um, I'm not saying that's what you need to do. All right. This is ancient Near Eastern culture. Uh, It was a different time back then. Um, Let me quickly say, just because the Bible describes something, has a description of account, does not make that the prescription for your life. In other words, guys, don't look at your wife today and go, well, Elkanah had two wives. Maybe we should at least talk about it. I don't know. (laughs) No, no sister wives stuff happened in here. Just because David, you know, it's it's recorded that David had an affair with Bathsheba doesn't mean you go have an affair, you know, with someone else, right? Some things in God's word are, are descriptions. Some things are prescriptions. Prescriptions are there because they're words to live by. They're the precepts of God's words. We live by these other things are descriptors that really just give us context to what's happening. All right. So this is just context to what's happening. Verse 2, two, first Samuel chapter one says this. He, meaning Elkanah, had two wives. One was called Hannah and the other Penina. That's unfortunate. Penina had children, but Hannah had none. And year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord as Shiloh. I love that. It's just, it was what you did, and, and he would lead his family to, to do this every, every year. It says where Hophni and Phineas and Ferb had 104 days left of summer vacation, and school came along just to end it. But the annual problem with our generation is finding a good way to spend. It's freestyle, all right? I'm just saying you just have to bear with me. Any parents know what I'm talking about, Phineas and Ferb? Different Phineas. All right, this is Hophni and Phineas. In fact, these are the guys that I think uh, give the bad reputation of preacher's kids because they were preacher's kids. You know, the, 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 their father was a priest, and um, they, were just, they were jacked up. You can read about that on your own. The two sons of Eli were the priests of the Lord. And whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of meat to his wife Penina, and to all her sons and daughters, but to Hannah, he gave a double portion. Why? Because he loved her. And because the Lord had closed her womb. And because the Lord had closed her womb, her her rival, all right, so Penina, this other woman that Elkanah was married to, kept provoking her in order to irritate her, made fun of her. I have children. You still don't have children. And it says this went on year after year after year. She kept provoking her, probably because her name was Penina, and she just was upset about it the whole time. (laughs) Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Let me ask you this. How many of you have ever been in that situation where there was a, a gap between where you were and where you wanted to be? And it was so great that it caused you to weep. You know what I'm talking about? Where the distance between the thing you were hoping for and praying for, maybe it was a family member, maybe it was a a medical condition, maybe it was whatever, it it could be a job or, or need for something was so great that it caused you to weep, it caused you to cry out to God. This is where Hannah was. And I was crying out to God, she, she felt this, this pain, she was broken, and not only that, she had a constant reminder, this other wife nagging her, you know, irritating her, reminding her of her pain, reminding her of how great this gap was. And that gap doesn't have to be something negative, by the way. It could be something positive that you've thought about doing, but you feel the gap is so great between where you are and where you want to be. It could be a business that you wanted to start, that you feel like God put on your heart to do. It could be a book that you were going to write. It could be a promotion that you were hoping for. But the gap is so great in your, your life. Every single person in this room has experienced this gap, this distance between where they are and where they were hoping to be, believing to be. And when we think about having faith in these situations where we have this distance, we can look at Hannah and go, yeah, I don't understand it either. Like if God could, and God is so great, then why didn't he just give her her children? Or or maybe you've said this too in your own situation, God, if you are so good, why didn't you come through or why didn't you you show up in my life? I prayed for this over and over. God, I, I, I filled out a prayer request card. I, I sought you day after day and nothing. And in those moments where the gap is there and we can't hear clearly from God, disbelief and doubt start to enter into our mind. And we begin to think God is doing something to us that perhaps God is repaying you for the past mistakes you've made because he's not answering you. And can I just stop you right here and say, God does not repay you for your past. God does not hold that against you. The only person doing that is the enemy and you. A lot of us allow our troubles to time travel into our present and you carry that with you over and over. God's not repaying you for your past. In fact, he wants to remove it from you. As far as the East is from the West, the moment you call on his name. But we can tend to think, can we not in those seasons, you know, maybe God's repaying me or, or we can tend to think that God, maybe you're just not capable. Maybe you're not who you say you are. Maybe you aren't hearing my prayers. Maybe you are, are not that good as I, I thought that you aren't for me. And so what I need is to understand first and foremost is that if we're going to be people of faith, we're going to grow it, write this down. The gap exists to grow my faith. Like it's there so that our faith can grow. If we don't have a gap, we don't need faith. Are you with me? Like the gap is not the obstacle to our faith. The gap is the opportunity for our faith to grow and to become greater and to stretch. Like if, if, I, if there's no gap, I don't need faith. If I don't need faith, I certainly don't need a God. And so we need to flip our perspective because that gap you're experiencing is not the obstacle. It is the opportunity for our faith to grow. When Kristen and I planted this church nine and a half years ago, come on, that's crazy, isn't it, to think about? Nine and a half years ago, we planted it at Harding School on 8th and Lincoln, and a lot of you you know, were there, we were doing the portable thing, and it was awesome, but in order to plant the church, we had to raise money. And we had a $30,000 gap. Now, that might not sound like a lot, but it might as well have been 30 million to us in that season. Like, where are we going to get this? How's this going to happen? And so we had to just, like ARC, the Association of Related Churches, our church planting organization, was going to match 30 as we raised 30. And so they gave us this $30,000 interest-free loan, paid off whenever you could kind of thing. And so we had to raise 30. And it was a huge gap. And we're just trusting in faith. All right, God, you're going to have to fill this gap for us. And then we outgrew that space. We added service after service. And the school came to us and said, hey, we got to stop. You know, we're going to discontinue this contract. You got to find some other place. And, and I'd come looked at this old dollar theater. Some of you that are from here, you remember this as the old dollar theater. In fact, some of you did things in this theater that we can't talk about, <laughs> but you've shared stories with me. There is healing. There's forgiveness. There is grace for that. But it was like dead issue. There's no way we can be here. But then when we got like, you know, the the school said you can't meet here. You know, I pulled all our staff together, both of us. And I said, hey, 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 I think God's doing something. We got to, you know, we're just going to pray and have faith. And then and then God opened the doors for us to meet here. Because how many of you know, we serve a God who loves to bring dead things back to life. And we thought this was dead. But he made a way because that's what he does. The reason why I'm telling you this is because it took seven hundred fifty thousand dollars to renovate this place. And so we had to stretch my faith again, you know, cause it's one thing to grow your faith for 30. It's another thing to grow your faith for $750,000. I say that because now I don't have a problem trusting and stretching my faith for $7 million. In fact, I got $50 million of vision that I believe God wants to do in our city and beyond, but the growth for my faith was not just about the 30,000 for the school. It was about what God wanted to do next for this place and growing my faith to 750 is not about what God wanted to do here. It's about what God wants to do next for the next place. Are you with me? It's not about what God wants to do now. He's growing your faith for what's next. In fact, I'll say this, the greater, the gap, the greater the faith that God wants to grow in your life. And the gap is a great indication of where God is taking you of how much faith you're going to need for that, for that journey. The gap's not the obstacle, people. It's the opportunity for your faith to grow. And we got to see it right, or else we won't respond to it right. We'll start to think God's not there, and God's not good, and, and God can't. But Hannah had faith. In verse 12, look at it, keep reading. As Hannah kept praying to the Lord. I love that. She kept praying. She didn't stop. A lot of us, when we get into the gap, we stop praying, we quit. We're like, God's not showing up, but she didn't, she didn't stop. In fact, she kept praying. It was her, it was her first thing to do. It was her first response. It wasn't her last resort. Cause a lot of us go, well, we've done everything we can do well, now. I guess we have to pray like that's the last place we go to is prayer. No, it's the first place we go to and the second place and the third place. Are you with me? That's why we're doing a week of prayer in August. Because we're coming before God saying, God, we know we can't do this without you. We don't want to do this without you, so we need you first. So I invite you to be a part of that. And it's going to culminate in that night of worship. It's going to be just a great time together. But Hannah kept on praying to the Lord. Check it out. And Eli observed her mouth moving. It says her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. So Eli thought, well, she must be drunk. That's a leap right there, but Whatever. And he said to her, how long will you keep on getting drunk? Get rid of your wine. She said, not so, my Lord. Hannah replied, I'm a woman who is deeply troubled. I've not been drinking, but check this out. I've been pouring my soul out to the Lord. How many of you have ever been there? You're just crying out, just pouring out. She had this great gap. She longed for children. She had a constant reminder that she didn't have any. So she said, This, don't take me for a wicked woman. I've been here in great anguish and grief. And Eli, the man of God, said to her, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you've asked of him. May it be so. This is this is the prophet getting a word from, from God for her. And she said, he, he said, May your servant, she said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went away and ate something. And check it out, her face was no longer downcast. Why? Because she got a word from the man of God that said, may God grant this. And immediately her countenance changed, her attitude changed, she got hungry, right? And she started to to eat something. Now, some of you don't understand this because you're stress eaters. Like you eat when you're in trouble, right? You eat when you're stressed. I'm I'm an all time eater, stressed, happy, whatever, I'm gonna eat. But Hannah was grieving to the point where she could not eat she was overwhelmed, she was worried, she couldn't eat, but then she got a word and immediately it all changed. She was hungry and she ate something. She was strengthened again because she got a word. What do you mean, Colby? She got a word. If if you haven't been around church, sometimes we use churchy language and say churchy things that, that you wouldn't understand. But what getting a word means Is that either you hear something, either through a message or through a song or by reading God's word, that is exactly what you needed when you needed it. You know what I'm talking about? When that happens, we say you got a word. And you've had that happen in your life, too. Like maybe you you were going through a season or you needed wisdom for something and you were talking to a friend and you're like, that's it. That's exactly what, what I needed When I needed it, it was confirmation for something in your life. When that happens, what we say is, you got a word. You got a word from God. You got a word from God for you. And the prophet gave her a word. He said, may the God of Israel grant you this request. And all of a sudden, it changed everything. She held her head up. She held her shoulders back. She walked out of there confident because she got a word. Here's what I want to show you in the middle of the gap in the middle of you believing for, for something from God, the Word isn't something that's nice to have. The Word is something you have to have. It is essential to our lives. Like if, if the, the gap is, is the, 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 the obstacle, is the opportunity for our faith to grow, then the Word is the foundation that our faith is built upon. In fact, write this down. My faith is grounded in God's word. You cannot build your faith. You cannot build your life on the opinions of people. It is like shifting sand. It changes from day to day from what you read from this person's account to that person's account. Now, the Bible does say that in the multitude of counselors, there is is wisdom in that there's protection in that there is safety in that, but that cannot be the first place that you go. The first place you have to go to is God's word. It's the foundation for everything that we have It's the foundation that our faith is, is built upon. And I know for some of you that may sound like old school. I don't care. Like it's our foundation of our faith. The Bible says that the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. It says it lasts for eternity. So you know what that means? The word of your mama won't last forever. I don't care. She might have great advice. She might have have great wisdom. She might have had great experience. I'm not discounting that. But it won't last forever. The word of your grandfather who who passed away, who had all kinds of issues, is great. But it won't last forever. Get wisdom. But that's not the first place that you go. You got to get a word from, from the word. God's word, let it, let it speak to you. So, so here's, here's the deal. Uh, when you're in the middle of a difficult situation and you need faith for something to take you from where you are to where you want to be, and there's a gap there, it will be the word of God that will sustain you. It'll be the word of God that will hold you. So instead of running to Facebook, uh uh-oh, here we go, freestyle, for the love of God, Like if that's where you're getting your information from constantly, instead of doing a poll on Instagram, hey, everybody tell me, what should I do in this situation? Let me know, let's take a vote. Instead of of, of talking to one friend about, what do I do with my family? Listen, this year and a half is crazy. We need wisdom from God to navigate it. And you still do. You still do, parents. I'm right there with you. What's school gonna look like? What do we do? Vaccine, no vaccine, mask, no mask. Like, like what do we do? And I'm not advocating for one side or the other. That's not what I'm saying. And listen to all sides get wisdom, gain research from people, but that cannot be the first place that you go. The first place you go is on your knees and say, God, I need supernatural wisdom to navigate what to do with my family, my family. What's best for me? Or God, what do you want for me in this season? Like, I think there's great you know, messages all around, but our first priority is to go God, is the foundation of our faith. Everything's built on that. And so Hannah, she got a word. She got a, a word and said, hey, may God grant you this request. And can I tell you something? If God gives you a word, you can take it to the bank. God is a promise maker and a promise keeper. If he said it, it'll come to pass. But, 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 you have to act on what he said. You have to put the, the promise and to practice. And so what Elkanah does, or Hannah does, is, is she goes back to Elkanah and says, hey, I got a word from God. Like, hey, boo-boo, this is what we need to do. And Elkanah's like, Elkanah's like, all right, let's go, let's go. And some of you guys are gonna try that later. Hey, honey, I got a word from God. We gotta put the promise into practice. So that's the, what they had to do. And so uh, the next year, she, she gets pregnant, just as God said, yeah, let's, let's cop for Hannah. <laughs> and the next year, Elkanah goes and, and worships again because, man, he's, just, he's a man of God. He's leading spiritually, and I love that about him. And Hannah didn't go with the baby yet because she said he was not yet weaned. But the second year, check it out, verse 24, after he was weaned, this, this new child, which by the name, by the way, is Samuel, you've heard of him before. She took the boy with her young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull and an ephah flower and a skin of wine. And she's taking him to go worship God, to show thanks to God, to sacrifice to the Lord, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. And when they had slaughtered the bull, they brought the boy to Eli the priest. And I just have to think that they, is Elkanah, I mean, he's in on it. He's, he's leading this as well. And she said to him, as surely as you live, my Lord, I'm that woman. Remember the woman you thought was drunk, sitting here praying? But I was pouring my heart out to God. I had a constant reminder nagging me of the gap that was in my life. That's that's who I am, and I got a word from you. And the Lord granted me what I asked of him, and so now I give him. Don't miss this. I give him to the Lord for his whole life will be given over to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. I give him to the Lord. See, I have to believe that as much as Hannah wept when there was a gap and she was waiting for the promise, as much as she wept before she had the child, the promise in hand, she wept all the more when she had to let go of the promise God had given her. And I say that because I think sometimes we think the greatest challenge, the greatest struggle that you and I face is in that gap season, is in the waiting. But I would say the true testing of our faith comes when you already have the promise in hand. And can you worship God? And can you sacrifice to God? and be grateful to God in letting go of what he's given you as much as before you even had it. The last thing I want you to write down is this, that faith is tested in the letting go. Now I want you to close your notes then, close your Bible, close whatever, and just sit there. And Here's what I think, before Before we get the promise, it's really easy to live like this, isn't it? Everybody just open up your hands, This is freestyle, go with it. Before you get the promise, whatever is in the gap, whatever you're searching for, that thing that you need, that that thing you're believing for and asking God, it's real easy to live like this. God, God, I'm ready to receive. God, I'm ready to receive. I, I need this. But then after you get that promise that you're holding on to so tightly... Are you able to live as open-handedly with it as you did before you had it? Because that's where faith is tested. That's where faith is tested. Are you willing to to let go? Because, check this out, that promise wasn't, wasn't just for Hannah. It's not just about the child that you want and are hoping for. It's not just about the promotion that you think you need or deserve or that that thing that you're going to write, whatever it is. It's not just about that. It's about what would happen through that. It's about what would happen because of that. Because Hannah lived open-handedly when the promise was in hand, God opened her womb. It was about the next six children that would come from Hannah, the family that would surround her and, and, and love her. It's about Samuel the one that would go on to anoint the first and second kings of the nation of Israel, the one who would go on to anoint David, the man after God's own heart. it's not just about you, it's about what God wants to do through you. I'll just say this, the greatest test is can you live as open-handed when you have the promise in hand as you did before it came? Because it's not just about what happens now, it's about what happens next. Would you stand up to your feet? We're not done yet. I'm gonna, we're gonna lead into a time of worship. We just respond to God. I feel like in this free flow kind of season and this free flow month, like God wants to do something. God wants to grow your faith, whatever level it is right now, currently, whether it's a lot or a little, he wants to grow it for what he has next for you. And if there's a great gap in your life right now, it's because he wants to grow great faith. God does great things in great gaps. God, does great things through people who would fully depend and rely on him and just live open-handed. So, God, I pray right now as we lead into a time of worship and response, God, that you would help us identify those areas in our life that can grow and strengthen and stretch. Or, or, or God, help us to to have our faith grounded in your word. Maybe for some of us, we just got to get into your word. We just got to seek you. God, you have a word for us today. And we're just believing for you to to move. God, we're believing for a breakthrough in some area of our life. Or perhaps we're here and we have the promise in hand and we've been holding onto it so tightly and you've been asking us to live open-handedly and let go. Because you have so many greater things in store for us. And so God, whatever it is that you wanna say to us, do it in these moments. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast, and we hope you really enjoyed it. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations, welcome to the family. We would love to know about it, so please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com slash yes. There'll be some practical resources that will help you as you start this journey. If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate Church to help people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, go to elevatechurch.com slash give. We'll see you soon. Have a great week.